Evening everyone, it's nice to, to see you. This is the first evening I've been here, so um, it's, it'll be interesting. Um, one of the things that um, you're taught, kind of, when you uh, are going through a, a, um, a learning process, especially if you're you know, going into the ministry, they tell you that if you want people's attention to make them laugh, Okay, so I'm going to try and make you laugh tonight. And if you laugh, then that means your defences are slowly going down. So this is a few quotes of kids in a church. And it says this, a little boy was overheard praying, Lord, if you can't can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a great time like I am. <laughs> After the christening of his baby brother in church, Jason sobbed all the way back home in the seat of his car. His father asked him three times what was wrong. Finally, the boy replied, That preacher said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home. I just want to stay with you guys. (laughs) And last but not least, and I hope this doesn't uh, include you, a Sunday school teacher asked her children as they were on their way to the church service, why is it necessary to be quiet in church? One bright girl put up her hand and replied, because the people are sleeping. <laughs> so I don't want you to be sleeping tonight. It's really, really nice uh, to be uh, among you. And I just again want to pray. So let's just pray again. Father, we just rejoice and we're glad that we have you here tonight, that you have promised and that you are true to your promise where two or three are gathered in your name that you're here in the midst. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you that you are a a God who continues to speak to us, to reveal yourself to us. And we pray, Lord, that we might be spoken to this evening, that we might have ears to listen and a will and a determination in you to respond to your word. And so, Lord, we ask that you would be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was here, just before I went to Canada, I spoke about what would happen if Jesus walked into the room when we were all here. What would he say? And I suggested to you that Jesus would ask one question. He would say, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? I want to know how you're doing. And as Jesus would leave, I want to suggest that this is what he would say. I will see you later. I will see you later. And that's what we're going to think about tonight, just for a little while. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn, first of all, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we'll begin to read at verse 13. 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4 and verse 13. And this is what God's word said to us. And Graham reminded us that this is the most important part of the service. This is God speaking to us. This is the exciting part. 
And this is what God is saying. Brothers, do, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout, a command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Not a hallelujah from anyone. Isn't that exciting what's going to happen? Well, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And I want you to be encouraged with these words. Jesus is coming back again. Amen. Amen. And then if you have your Bibles, turn to John 14. And these are well-known words, but we'll read them. Do not let your heart be troubled. This is Jesus speaking. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And here's the promise. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to pre- there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be also where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we'll pray that God will bless that word to us. Because that's what the the word says. God wants us to be encouraged by it. Now God has given us many, many gifts. And one of the gifts he's given to us all is the gift of imagination. The gift of being able to picture in your mind things that will happen. And so I want you to use your imagination um, at this time. I want you to sit back and I want you to try and picture the scene that I am about describe. There you are, you've been here, you've been in the service and you're on your way home, say in your car. And as you go home your thoughts begin to wonder just about the evening that you've spent here. You've had good fellowship with friends, lovely friendly atmosphere and you're at peace. You think great, I've had a good night. And then suddenly There's a sound. It's a sound that you've never ever heard before. And you know it's everywhere. It fills the car, it fills the air around you, it's everywhere. And yet it seems to be coming from above. 
and you're thinking about it because this sound has taken up everything of your mind. It sounds a wee bit like a trumpet, you might think. No, there's a choir in there somewhere. Or maybe it's both. But this sound has captivated you. So much so that there's only one desire that you have in your heart. You have to know what it is. And so you stop, you get out your car and you look up. And as you do, you realise that you are not the only one doing it. You look around and you can see that the streets have become one large parking lot. Everyone is out from cars, houses everywhere and they're all looking up. The whole place is a complete and utter standstill. All looking, all searching the clouds. What they see, what you see, has never ever been seen before. It's like the sky as a big curtain that is slowly being drawn open, slowly, slowly, and as it parts, a brilliant light spills onto the earth. And you notice this strange thing, and you wonder why you notice, but there are no shadows. There's not a shadow about. This brilliant light encompasses everything. A whole myriad of light appears. You try to, in your mind, explain what it is. It's spectacular. It's like a waterfall of light cascading down from the sky. It's just too marvelous to even to put into words. And you blink. And there, from the waterfall, you see them. They're there. They're coming into focus. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels. They're there. There's this great canopy of sound. The angels are singing. And you realise that this song is so beautiful. It's so wonderful that it brings a tear to your eye. That this song that's being sung is so beautiful that you realise that you could listen to it forever and ever and ever and you will never tire of it. Holy, 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 they chant in the most beautiful way imaginable. And then suddenly, the heavens are quiet. All is quiet. And you realise the meaning of what we sometimes say, you can hear a pin drop. At this moment in time, it is quiet that you could hear a pin drop. The angels turn, the elders turn, Everyone turns to the sky and there before them is Jesus.
There is Jesus. And you realise what the scripture says when it says, Every eye shall see him, because every eye does see him. Through the waves of light, Christ appears, wearing the crown, he's king. And over his head, there is this great declaration, I am the Alpha, the Omega. The first and the last. And the angels bow. And the elders take off their crowns and bow. And you know that you have to bow before the Lord. And again you realise that scripture. That not only every eye will see him but every knee shall bow and acknowledge that he is the king. And in you, there is this all-consuming feeling. You've never experienced it before, even at your conversion. This all-consuming feeling, and it's this, that nothing else matters. Not your job. Not your family. Not the money that you're saving up. Nothing else matters, not your hopes, your aspirations. Nothing matters. Why? Because Christ has come. He's come. I wonder what you feel like when you think about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be interesting for me to stop and just to ask you what you feel like when you think about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are your honest reactions if Christ was to come right at this very moment? And he could. What what would be your reaction? And I read a report recently... (coughs) And they did a survey and they asked people what their reaction would be if Jesus returned at that very moment. And they wanted the honest answers, not some spiritual answer that wasn't true, but their honest answers. And here's the top three of their honest answers. What would you feel like? If Jesus returned at this very moment. And the first answer, the first honest answer was discomfort. Isn't that amazing? Discomfort. It's a strange word I thought. But these people were being honest. And they said, we know that when Christ returns, everything will be revealed. Everything will come to right, a light. All my thoughts, all my actions, they'll be revealed. And they realized that their life as Christians hadn't been what it should have been. And they felt discomfort. And a little bit ashamed because they weren't ready for the Lord Jesus Christ to return. What would you feel like if Christ returned just now? 
Are there things in your life that you know that you need to put right so that when you stand before Christ, you know that as far as you are concerned, they are right? Maybe I'm looking at you lot. And I shouldn't say you lot, I'm sorry. That's, that's, I'm looking at you lovely people. And I realize that probably that wouldn't concern you. I don't think if Christ returns there would be people who would feel discomfort. But here's the second one that caught me also. The second feeling, honest feeling at the return of Christ was denial. Denial. The return of the Master hadn't been high on people's priority as maybe it should have been. They were more concerned about other things than thinking about the Lord's return. But you know what most of them said? They don't think about the Lord's return because it's too complicated. That there are so many theories about this and that and the other and they were just completely mixed up and so they switched their minds off. They denied that the Lord Jesus Christ was coming. If he comes, they said, fine. If he doesn't for another hundred years, fine. I'm off to bed. I've got a busy day tomorrow. Is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ complicated? And have we as Christians complicated the whole matter so much so that we switch off and deny that it's actually going to happen? Because we don't know. Discomfort and denial. But the one that caught me the most, because I think probably... It maybe speaks of my situation. Disappointment. That Jesus would want to come right now. I wouldn't be disappointed that Jesus coming. But Jesus coming right now. No. I'd be a wee bit disappointed. Why? Because there are so many things in my life that I want to do. So many places that I want to go. So many things I want to do that I want Jesus to return. But not right now. I want to take the wedding of my two granddaughters. So Lord come, but not right now. Come later. And in a sense, him coming, people said that they would feel disappointed. And that really challenged me when I read that, that there was discomfort, denial, and disappointment. And that's where you came in. As I was thinking about tonight, this is the word that God brought. And the word, for me... And for you is this. Have you ever thought what God wants you to feel about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Not what you feel, but what does God want you to feel about this great and amazing event? Miriam and I went to Afghanistan. 
Hiya, come on in. We're just, we're just on a good subject. We're just thinking about the return of the Lord. Miriam and I went to Afghanistan. Now I have two sons, two daughters, four grandchildren. Did they want us to go? No, they didn't. When Jesus left, did the disciples want them to go? No, they didn't. But Jesus went, and we went to Afghanistan also because we believed that that's what God wanted us to do. When Jesus left, he says to his disciples, I'm coming back, don't worry. When we left, we said to our family, God willing, we will be back um, in in four years. Now, did I want my children at that time to feel all these things that these people felt about the return of the Lord Jesus? Not at all. I would hate to think that my my children were in denial that we were ever coming back. Or anything like that. But maybe, just maybe, they were right. But I want to assure you of one thing. It's this. That whether they believed it or not about me and Miriam returning, we have God's word that he is going to return. And that when he comes back, wow, what a day that will be. And so I just want to leave three thoughts with you. Three thoughts on what I believe God wants us to think about. In the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Parenting, parenting, no, being a parent can be very challenging indeed. Sometimes when you're a parent, the questions that are asked are impossible to ask. Dad, was quite one recently, not to me, but someone I know, can I have another pup? Now they had three pups already. Dad, why can't I have another one? Mom, you were married when you were 18. Why can't I get married? And there are so many questions that children ask. But the question that I think even causes the greatest sage to summer is the question that pales all other questions into significance. And we've all been asked it if we're parents. And it says, how much further? How much further? And it's an impossible question to answer. How do you speak about time and distance to a child who doesn't understand either? And Jesus, when he left, he said, as he was taken up, I will come in the same way. And there was a lot of questions around about why he said that. How much further, Dad? Oh, it's only a few more miles. And so the obvious question next is, well, Dad, what's a mile? Ten minutes, son. Ten minutes and you'll be there. How long is ten minutes? And so you go on. And sooner or later, as parents, you end up by saying these very simple words. Not shut up. (laughs) But you end up by saying these very simple words. Listen, guys. Trust me, you enjoy the journey. Don't worry about the details and I'll make sure that we get home safely. And that is exactly the words that God 
is saying to us in the reading that we've just read. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. You do the trusting and I'll do the taking. So three thoughts about this trust. Three thoughts that I want you to think about. Firstly, Jesus says there is ample room. Why did he say that? Why did he have to say that there are many rooms in the Father's house? Well, people wanted to know, and it was important to them, that they wouldn't be left out. Sorry, there's no room here. No room on the team, pal. Got a full team. And there's this fear in people, if you ask them, to be, of being left out. <coughs> what does the scripture say? There was no room in the inn for him. And it's a terrible thing. In Afghanistan, we, Miriam and I dealt with people a lot. That was our job. And one of the main things that we had to deal with is people feeling left out. People feeling forgotten. People feeling that they weren't part of things. And Jesus wants to remind you and I that there is room. Room in heaven for you and me. He won't reject you if you put your trust in him. As someone said, we have made room in our hearts for him. He will make room in his father's house for us. There's no rejection. If you trust in Jesus, you are guaranteed a room. Come on, that deserves a hallelujah. (laughs) There's room. It's there. It's marvellous. It's not something we have to worry about being left out or being left behind. Years ago there was a book that was a bestseller called Left Behind. It was, I only read a, a, a few chapters, one of the most saddest books ever. God guarantees that you will not be left behind. There's room. And then the second thing that we need to know is this I have prepared a place for you so there's room but not only room there's a place that's been prepared well I have the best wife in the world you know that (laughs) and when I go away and I come back the place is prepared it's ready I just love it Jesus has prepared a place for you when I was in the ministry in Stirling I went on sabbatical. I've always wanted to study the book of Hebrews. And so I had the opportunity to go to Nova Scotia. And I went to Acadia University there. And for four months, all I did was study the book of Hebrews. If you're ever looking for a book to study, that's it. It is an amazing book, as all the books in the Bible are. And also I went to the local church and I got to know people. So most Sundays 
I was invited out for something to eat. And the food was great, but there was one problem that I found. All the desserts that I got for the first few weeks uh, was chocolate chip pudding. I love chocolate chip pudding. I am a, a chocoholic. I was in heaven. But after Sunday upon Sunday upon Sunday getting chocolate chip pudding, I think, what's wrong here? You know? So I got up the courage to ask this lady, I said, do you not have anything else but chocolate chip pudding for your desserts? And she said to me, well, we were told that you were a chocoholic. We were told that you like chocolate chip pudding. And so all I got was chocolate chip pudding and I said I love it. But I love loads of other things also. And the word got around that I did and some of the, the best desserts, delicious desserts I ever tasted was from there. A misunderstanding. There are no misunderstandings with Jesus. The place that he has prepared for you is perfect. I want you to believe that with all your heart. That the place that is ready for you right now is perfect. Absolutely. He knows you better than you know yourself. You know, I had a discussion with my son a few years ago when he was still quite young. And he used to say, Dad, will we not be bored in heaven? What will we do in heaven? And that's a good question. We don't have to worry about that. Christ has prepared it all for us. Do you believe it? Come on, give me a smile on that. Yes. you believe it? And I want you to believe it. That that room that he has prepared, that place that he has prepared, is a place that is perfect for you. It's a fit. And just the last thought before I leave. Jesus says this to us. I am not kidding. If you read John 14... When you read it a few times, and I would ask you to do it, you kind of detect a, a tone, a shift in the last words. I will come back. There's the same assurance. There's the same kindness and concern there. But when he comes to these last words in Greek, there is a conviction. A conviction that he knows that this is absolutely true. He is coming back. This is not a kidding on story. This is fact. It's written in the skies. You have God's word on it. I read the story of a man called George Tullock. And he had a, a, a fascination about sunken ships. And his fascination was the Titanic. Now he had plenty of money and he set out on an expedition to recover as much of the ship as he could. 
But there was one particular part of that ship that he really, really wanted to salvage. It was a 20 ton piece of hull. The first attempt that he had, the big steel ropes that were pulling it up snapped. And that was after months of preparation. The next attempt that he had, everything was going great and he was all ready to, to pull it up when the weather broke. And it became stormy and he couldn't do anything and he had to leave. But before he left, the story goes that he descended to the depth of the Atlantic Ocean in a mini submersible and attached a piece of metal to the section of the hull that he wanted to retrieve. And it had these words written on it. I will come back, George Tullock. Now at a glance, I thought his actions were humorous and ridiculous. I mean, how many people would spend millions and millions of pounds on a piece of Titanic that was rusty? Why? Because that's what he wanted. Why would God go to the lengths that he did to reclaim me? Why nearly 2,000 years ago did he enter the murky waters of this world in search of me and in search of you? Why? Why? Because he loved you. And he wanted to say this, if you put your trust in me, I am coming back. For who? Is he coming back for you? I hope he is. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for all those who have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the story ends with George uh, Tullock redeeming his piece of metal two years later. Tag and all. He's coming back. It's not complicated. The way that God wants us to see it. He doesn't want you to be disappointed or anything like that. He wants you to know that he is coming back. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And he is true to his word. Isn't that great? He's coming back. Now what I want to do tonight, because I, I, I just think this word is great, and I think probably when you, had a, you have a, a, not a near-death experience, but when you've been unwell, as I have, and then come through it, you begin to think of these things, and it's real for me, and I want it to be real for you. Now what God's word says is this, <coughs> that God's word has gone forth. Now it needs to take root. It needs to be planted in our hearts and it needs to begin to grow. I want us just to take a few minutes of silence. And if you have your Bibles, turn to John 14 and begin to read these words. And we're just going to be quiet so that God's word can sink in. And it not only becomes God's word, but it comes your word from God. 
that you believe it and you take it with you and you have this great hope do not let your hearts be troubled trust in God trust also in me in my father's house are many rooms I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back let's be quiet and we're going to be quiet for a little while as this word begins to take root in our hearts so that we can take it and know it in reality Father we want to thank you for your word we want to thank you Lord for the hope that it brings and we want to pray Lord that as we've read your word that it might take root and begin to grow and be a reality in our life We want to thank you, Lord, for that lovely promise that you're going to come back. There's room in heaven for all who trust you. That it's going to be perfect, that we don't have to worry about anything. And that, Lord, that we can take that on your word. And so, Lord, make this word real to us. And may it be real in the coming days, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.